0: Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like Tales from Tech Support, Entitled Parents, Choosing Beggars, Pro Revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about Tales from Tech Support. Well hey guys, welcome back to the channel. Evidently I need a digital assistant to remind me to press record when I start these things. (laughs) Jesus. Anyway. What do y'all think of my fancy little RGB lights back there? Not much, but, you know, little visual interest. You know, you got a cat in one corner, blue and purple lights in the other corner. Eh, I just got tired of the black hole or the generic room light back there. So, all right, let's read some stories. Right, Nickel? Yeah, I'll get back to you later. Testing the UPS. So back in the before times, in the roundup to Y2K, I worked for a call center in Southern California. I had been part of the crew that was going around to each of our 1,000-plus workstations and confirming or patching the BIOS to stave off the Y2K bug. Our largest client, still a world leader in telecom, was rightfully paranoid about crashes and general call availability. To this end, they wanted confirmation we were ready for all the potential disasters Y2K would bring. As part of that, we tested our UPS system several times. We had several banks of batteries for the servers and network infrastructure, but these were rated for only about 15 minutes of power, while the backup generator kicked off. It took 5 or 6 minutes for the generators to come up to operating temperature and be ready for the load they were intended to handle. The first time we ran it, there was a mechanical failure, and the genset didn't get up before the batteries faded. The second time, we found a wiring fault, and not all the server racks were wired to the genset. Third test worked great. Everything went as planned. Fourth test was done in front of the client reps on a weekend. After that, we did a full-up live test in the middle of the week in front of the client's regional VPs. That was an extended run, lasting most of my shift. Y2K came, and by this time I was promoted to a floor supervisor. All hands on deck New Year's Eve 1999, just in case the apocalypse happened. It didn't. We all let out a collective sigh of relief and went on with our lives. Until March 5th of 2000, when Southwest Airlines Flight 1455 overran the Burbank Airport runway, rolled across the street, and knocked down some power lines. We lost power, but the batteries kicked on. Genset came up, and our employees restarted their workstations without dropping a call. All planned for smooth transition. Until about 15 minutes later, when the genset spun down, people started scratching their heads and then about 5 minutes later the servers started shutting down from loss of battery power. Apparently after all the testing we did and the prep for Y2K, no one thought to refill the fuel tanks for the generators. Oops. Dude, gotta love it. Big time company like that getting ready to spend all kinds of money on Y2K bugs and being prepared. And they don't have a maintenance guy that checks that generator every so often. Or a company that comes in to check it and, you know, exercise a generator about once a month or once a quarter to, you know, make sure the fuel's running good, the oil's good, make sure the fuel's topped off, make sure it's actually powering things. That's kind of standard for anybody who's got a backup generator. I don't know. Old time tale. Circa 1994. Oh, stop it. Panicked phone call from the help desk. No one can access the system. Great. Let me head down to the server room and check everything out. This was a 500-person law firm with 8 25-port mini-computers. All 25 ports of each server was connected to a Mycom RS-232 switch. The Mycom allowed users to connect from their dumb terminals to an open port on any of the servers. Note that all the dumb terminals were hardwired via RS-232 ports to concentrators on each floor of the building. I take a look and the Mycom config is blown, as in factory reset. So as I began the process of restoring the configuration, at 300 baud if I remember correctly, it comes out that a DEC tech was in the server room, pulled a floor tile looking for power and randomly pulled a power cable to plug his equipment into. His excuse was, it sounded just like a fan. Four hours later, the Mycom config is reloaded. Turns out the battery on the main controller board had failed, causing the config to be lost when the power was pulled. DEC got a bill from the firm for the $100,000 per hour, ouch, Downtime the tech caused. Okay, I'm kind of on the fence with this one. So he should have gotten a bill for sure for pulling a plug he knew nothing about. But at the same time, again, this is a maintenance issue. Whose responsibility was it to make sure that the backup battery to save all your information and configurations was okay just in case the power went out? Like nobody thinks about maintenance stuff anymore. It's, it's just mind-blowing. Let's get our users to learn how to save space. But maybe not us. This is from about 25 years ago. I worked in an IT department that supported a division of our company. At the time, we were still rolling out desktop computers to people. Some departments just had a central terminal they used to log into a VAX for email and certain applications. One of the things we discovered was that folks getting a personal computer often didn't think about deleting stuff. They would just keep saving files or making copies and didn't have any awareness about the limits of disk space and such. As I was involved in our help desk and could put together some simple websites, I was asked to work with someone on developing a website to teach people about how to reduce their use of space eating things like emails, files, personal stuff, and so on. We came up with a sort of film noir detective concept, only he figured out space wasting capers. We had different adventures that were written as the denouement? Denouement. Oh my god. Of each story and. Each story related to a specific concept like knowing record retention guidelines or how to check the amount of data used in a directory or your email. They would have multiple choice answers to reaffirm the concept. Picking the right one lets you leave your employee number so you could participate in a prize drawing. Management was really excited about this and said we should take a snapshot of how much space was used on our servers before we sent this out and a week after. We would have a random drawing to give out gift certificates to the cafeteria, so everything got set up. It was cool seeing the information come in as the number of visits increased and people were talking about the little stories and the character we'd made up. After the week was over, we talked to the system operators to get the size snapshot. And data storage was much greater than it had been before we started. Turned out that the manager of our organization decided to share a bunch of scanned pictures from a Halloween party we'd had recently. And he attached the files and used everyone's name as an individual instead of a group distribution list, one of the techniques we had a story about. The huge image files copied in each email to each individual blew the disk usage way up. We did have the drawing, but we didn't make any announcements about how much space we saved from the effort. Do as I say, not as I do. I had a boss once, direct supervisor, he's actually a son to the owner of the company. And you know, he kept doing this little fist pounding thing, you know, gotta save fuel, gotta save fuel in our trucks. Okay. So, you know, no more sitting idling. If it was 90 some degrees out Fahrenheit in the summertime, uh, no air conditioning during lunch. So we'd have to find a shade tree or some shady spot not in the truck, which was just basically a big oven. You know, if we stopped for breakfast in the morning on the way to the job, we had to shut the truck off. No sitting there letting it idle with one person in it while somebody ran into the store. Things like that. Fair enough. we're You know, hey, we're all good with that. But this same supervisor, from the time he left his house in the morning around 6 a.m., the time he got home at night 5 p.m 6 p.m somewhere in there he never shut his truck off like ever if he went into the shop for a meeting that truck was out there idling in the parking lot if he stopped for coffee and donuts the truck sat outside idling while he went inside to get his food stop at the mcdonald's drive through for lunch you betcha he sat there idling that engine while he ate his lunch before he got back on the road oh well rules for thee but not for me wedding reception call Happened about seven years ago. I was no longer help desk, but in a system admin role within the same company. Habits are hard to quit for some people, so I'm often reached out to like a tier one help desk. It was Sunday. The office was closed and my fiance, parents, and some other family members were checking out a venue for our upcoming wedding. I dropped everyone off and drove off looking for a parking spot. As I circle around looking intently for parking, my phone rings. Since I'm on the hunt for a free spot, I pick it up without looking, figuring it was someone I dropped off spotting a parking space. It wasn't. It was the CEO of my company with email issues on his Mac. I screwed myself. If I looked at the caller ID, saw it was him, and ignored it, he would have tried calling another team member or my boss, etc. Because I picked up, I'm stuck. Now I have to help. The issue was his gigantic email database on his Mac was corrupt and needed to be repaired. So as I'm meeting with the venue manager, seeing all the areas of the venue, and going over the potential setup of our wedding reception, cocktail hour, etc., I'm walking the CEO through how to repair his database, painful to do on the phone and with him. I get him to the point where we have to wait an extremely long time for the database to be repaired. I was thinking, great, let this run and I'll call him back. Nope. He asked 100 questions. How long is this going to be? Will I have all my email? How can I do work email while this is going on, etc. I tried getting off the phone with him for 20 minutes, but he kept coming with the questions. I got off the phone and reached out to another team member to call the CEO and check on the repair. It took hours. The CEO used webmail while it was being repaired. I did see the venue and liked it. My fiance was very understanding. It was the venue we picked in the end. Lol. Update. Some of you must never have dealt with VIP users with huge egos. There was no good or correct answer I could give. I've been there. You're right. There is no good answer for most of those VIPs. They need attention and they need it now. Undivided attention. I'm, I'm surprised you got away with looking at your own wedding venue. Just wait till you try to have kids and you're at the hospital for the birth and you get that phone call. I suggest leaving your phone in the car or ignoring it. It's 2 a.m. Backstory. This happened more than 10 years ago. During summer, my uncles got my grandmother a new-to-her computer, which she didn't want to use. I pried and she said that she was too old to use a computer. I disagreed. I showed her some basic computer tasks like how to turn it on, using the mouse and keyboard, how to get logged onto the internet, some basic internet safety shortcut to news sites and other simple for us but hard for them tasks she was most excited that she could read the news anytime not just when it came on the tv she took a computer class a few weeks after i had returned home to learn more of what i can do it's important to mention that she lives in a different time zone but has always been mindful of this when she's called story after a long night of test prep i go to sleep exhausted i'm rumming hard when my polyphonic bar phone goes off That thing was loud. It took several seconds to pull me out of sleep, but I looked at the calling number and the time. It's from her area code. Now that part of the family never calls at these hours unless there's an emergency. Armed with this knowledge, I perk up and answer the phone. Me, sounding nervous. Uh, hello? Grandma, as happy as could be. I sent you an email. (laughs) Me, confused. What? Grandma? Grandma. Yes, I sent you an email. I figured it out. Did you get it? Me, so glad it's not an emergency. It's two in the morning, what? Grandma, no, I did the math. It's two in the afternoon. Did you get my email? I decided to turn on my tower and log on. Indeed, I see an email from her. Me, I do see an email from you. That's cool. Now I can email you anytime. Grandma, well, I hope I can figure out how to write one back. You really got it? Me chuckling, (laughs) I did. Grandma, thanks for showing me that I'm not too old to use the computer. I have to call your mother. I sent her one too. Me, you're very welcome, but Grandma, it is actually 2 in the morning here. Maybe wait a few hours before calling her? Grandma, oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Must have done the math wrong. Me, don't apologize. I'm glad you called. We hung up shortly after. She did end up calling my mom at 6.30 a.m. I guess she couldn't wait any longer. Edit, she lives in a different country, so my midnight is her morning. She usually calls in her evening, so she's used to catching us in our afternoons. In class the next day, the professor noticed I was unusually tired and confronted me. I told her a summary of my night, and she allowed me to retake the test. I thanked her, but frankly, I was fine with the less-than-perfect but passing grade I got. I am enormously proud to this day of my grandma for being able to email on her own, and I would never give up that 2 a.m. phone call. She's had to stop using her computer due to her legally blind status, over 80% blind. Congratulations, OP! That was so heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time. But really, you know, good for you for sticking with her and, you know, showing her that she really wasn't too old. I sort of get it. I mean, I'm only 52 right now. And uh, sometimes I feel like, ugh, learning something new, really. But I, I actually enjoy learning new stuff, so I don't think it's going to be quite as bad for me. But if it's something that scares me or seems overly complicated, I can see where, you know, in another 10, 20 years, I start getting a little edgy about stuff like that. Sorry to hear the Grandma had to stop using the computer, but... Hopefully uh, hopefully she got a good 10-year run out of it and maybe, uh, and maybe figured out another way to get her news outside of TV. I'm not crying. You're crying. PhD needs to be rebooted. I was working IT support on a large military base. The section I was assigned to had many important people in it: people with lots of horsepower, let's say. One of my customers had multiple PhDs and was reportedly the highest paid VIP in the building. He spent all day every day doing research on his computer. He'd been doing similar work for about a decade. One day he calls me to ask me to come to his office as he's having a problem with his Windows 10 workstation. So I walk into his office and ask him what the issue is. He starts describing what is a very common problem that I've seen thousands of times and is always solved instantly by rebooting the workstation. So I tell him to reboot his workstation. He looks at me like I've got three heads and just mutters, huh? So I tell him to restart his computer. He starts frantically clicking around various spots on the desktop. Nowhere near a start button or any icon. It finally dawns on me this incredibly overeducated guy earning more in a year than I earn in 10 years has no idea how to use a Windows computer, even though that's literally what he's overpaid to do. Yes, I literally restarted the computer for him. Yep, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love my PhD and Masters peeps. They're great at what they're specialized in. They're very smart when it comes to their field, but I wouldn't trust most of them to cross the street without somebody holding their hand. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.